this, what are you going to do? Because we have this inward idea of right and wrong. And if we're honest, if we're really honest, every single one of us at some time or other, we've done stuff that is wrong. Even as adults, sometimes we do things that we know are wrong, but we go ahead and do it anyway. And it seems like as we walk through this life, and what I want every one of these and every young person, every older person here to understand is that that we will always have a temptation to compromise integrity. There will be opportunities to do that every turn. You know, we often, many times we will take shortcuts because they will appear to save us some momentary grief at the seemingly small price of sitting aside our integrity. But you see, there's a problem with that. When we do that, there's always a higher price to pay later. So I want us to examine that for a moment because some of the biggest messes I've gotten myself in in life is because in a moment I thought it was easier to to step aside from integrity and, and step aside from what I knew was right and make some kind of compromise because it seemed like that would save me some major grief in the moment only to have it cause more grief and more difficulty, and bigger battles later. So I've given today's message the title, Cancel Compromise. We live in a world right now where well, there's all kinds of things we're being told we need to cancel. Well, to me, the number one thing we need to cancel is compromise. Because there is a, there's a daily moral integrity that God desires for you to have. And I promise you, God never looks away in those moments with some kind of sly wink saying, I see what you're going to do, but I'm, I'm looking the other way this time. No, he does not look the other way. Amen. So I was, I was looking at scripture this week, this morning. I settled on a story in scripture that I really believe lays out what I'm trying to say for our lives. See, God had given his people, the children of Israel, some great victories. He had set them free from slavery in Egypt. They had traveled um, the, the wilderness. And yes, they made some mistakes, and so they had to get stuck in the wilderness for an additional 40 years. But finally the day came, when, as Joshua is leader, that God allowed them to cross over in the promised land. The promises of everything they had been taught for their whole lives was finally coming to pass. And as they stepped over into that new land, God had given them an, an incredible victory over Jericho. They had a little bit of a struggle, but they got it straightened out, and they took Ai. And so God had given them back-to-back victories over some enemies that they were supposed to push out of the land to take possession of what God had given them. But one enemy got a little scared, and they came up with a deception. They decided, you know what? Let's see what we can do to save our hides, because it is clear that God is with these people. And if we don't do something, we're next. So they came up with this plan. They said, you know what? Let's see if we can convince them to compromise a little bit. So they did so by posing as friends. 
And many times this is the same way our enemy does us in life. He comes along and offers what seems to be a better way out, only for it to be a trap that we pay a higher price later. So here's what they said, we're going to do this. And you know what? We're right here in this same area that they're in, and we're going to be next if we don't do something. So they came up with this plan. They said, you know what? We'll travel. We'll pretend to be ambassadors from a faraway land, and we'll see if we can get them to swear to a binding treaty to make us their friends. So if you read in Scripture, this, found, this, this story is found in Joshua chapter 9 and 10. We see that they, they, they had this plan. They were, I mean, they put on old clothes that looks like they've been on this long journey. They put on, I mean, they, they dusted themselves up. They put on old sandals. They packed moldy bread on purpose. And they went through all these things. And so they show up and they come traveling in and they say, we have come from a far away land. And we've heard of the great deeds that God has done on your behalf. We've heard of the victories that he's given you over Jerusalem. I mean, not over Jerusalem, but over um, Jericho. I'll get there in a second. Over Jericho and Ai. And we've come to pay honor. We want to set up a relationship with you. We want to become allies. And so they begin to question that, oh, we've come from a faraway land. Look at our clothes. These were new when we left. Look at our wineskins that are patched. They were new when we left. Look at this bread. It was hot and fresh when we left. And so they looked at all that, and so they, they did. They made this binding treaty with this nation known as Gibeon. They swore an oath to say, we're allies. Well, guess what? Three days later, Joshua found out they were a neighbor, neighboring kingdom. Some of the very people that they were supposed to drive out of the land. But now they were stuck in this treaty with the enemy. So you can kind of see where they're at. But here's the, here's the deal. Here's the whole problem that we have. Look at Joshua chapter 9 verse 14 and 15. It says, Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, and they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them and let them live and the rulers of that of the congregation swore to them. So here they were in this binding treaty. Now, think about that. Here's the biggest issue with that whole thing. It said they did not take counsel with the Lord. In other words, they made this treaty without asking God whether or not it was a good thing. For those of you that are graduating, or, and really for everyone here, the one thing, piece of advice I can give you is every decision you make, take counsel of the Lord. Ask the Lord. Do not make a decision without consulting Him first. Even if it looks right, even if it smells right, even if everything you can measure by it looks like the right thing, always ask Him first. 
The biggest mistakes you'll make in your life is when you make a decision and you do not inquire of the Lord. So they found themselves in this situation. They were stuck in what I'm calling a treaty trap. Let me say this. Every treaty you make with the enemy has unforeseen consequences. Every single one. Anytime you give in, anytime you compromise, anytime you say, you know what, I am going to sidestep this just a little bit. I'm going to, because this looks like the easy way out. This looks like this is going to get me the things that I want in life. And so I'm going to go ahead and do this, even though I don't necessarily have a peace in my spirit about it, even though I haven't really necessarily prayed for it. Anytime you make that step, you're putting yourself in a dangerous position. Because when the Gibeonites, what they had done is when they had heard everything that was going on, they had heard how God had been with them, they said, you know what, we've got to do something. So they showed up and they did. They followed the very same plan that the enemy will use against you. They showed up bearing gifts. Here's some lavishing some things on it. And then they flattered them. Oh, we've heard about how great you are. We've heard about how that God has been here and done this with, for you and he's given you these great victories. So let's go ahead and make a peace treaty now. Well, you know what the real goal was? To get something signed, a covenant set in place before they found out who they really were. Can I tell you that's the same thing that the enemy does with us today? He comes along and he says, he says he flatters you. He promises you all kinds of gifts and all kinds of things. All the things you wanted to seem like they're right there. It'll be so easy. And if I just do this and there's something inside, there's always some compromise you have to make to accept that. But you go ahead and do it anyway. And you do it without inquiring of God, without asking him if this is of him. And you will find yourself stuck in a similar trap that they were stuck in. You see, for every believer, once we accept Christ, maybe we've earned even a spiritual victory or two. Maybe you've taken ground from the enemy or there's a promise over your life like some of the ones that we were spoke to this, about this morning, how that God had made a call on their life. And just because that is there, guess what? Now you're a threat to the enemy. And when you're a threat to the enemy, he's going to do everything he can to get you to compromise. He's going to do everything he can to get you caught in some kind of treaty or agreement that minimizes who you are and what you can be. His goal is to drag you down. His goal is to tie you up. Trust me, opportunities to compromise will come. I don't care how old you are. And there will be things like, oh, you deserve an easier path than this. Take the deal now. It will make your life much, much easier. You know what? Don't you dare without asking the Lord, is this what you have for me? Let's talk about compromises. See, we hear them all the time. 
you feel a tugging or a calling to some ministry and the enemy will come along and say, oh, you know what, you've done your time. Remember last time you volunteered and you got involved and, and this happened and that happened? You know what, you've done your time. Just continue to sit on the sideline. It'll be okay. Let someone else do it. Or maybe it takes a little bit different form. All that little bit of pornography won't hurt anything. It's not that big a deal. Oh, it's okay to self-medicate your stress away. You've been under a lot of pressure. Just go ahead and, and pop that pill or, or take that drink now or, or do this or do that. It'll, it, it's just for this season. Or maybe it's, you know, your husband or your wife, they just don't listen like that friend that's the opposite sex at work. I know, I'm trampling on toes here, but it's important. Or maybe it's, I need this money more than they do. I'll just cheat a little bit. I'll cut this corner. After all, all these things, isn't that what grace is for? If I can give you any advice, never make a decision without praying over it first. Now, I'm not talking about what color pants or shirt am I going to wear today. But if it's much more impactful than that, you better be asking God whether or not that is his will for your life. You see, they went ahead and they made the deal. And with that deal came unforeseen consequences. As I said, three days later, Joshua found out that they were literally 27 miles away. Think about that. These people that came from a long, far away land were only 27 miles away. Part of the ones that they were supposed to drive out. And here they were bound by this contract because they weren't, they were Gibeonites. So now they had this sworn treaty against the very people they were supposed to drive out. Well, it didn't take long for word to spread. The other inhabitants of the land that they were supposed to drive out found out that the Gibeonites had defected, so to speak, and had become allies with the Israelites. And so a king by the name of Adonai Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, he reached out, and we read in Joshua chapter 10, verse 4, he sent out a message to five other kingdoms. He says, come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. So because of this, because of this treaty, the five remaining kingdoms that surrounded them said, you know what, we better unify now, we better join our forces, and we better put a stop to this or we're going to be in trouble. And so the Gibeonites, even though they were renowned for being powerful, powerful warriors, they were known in that area for being very strong militarily, but they were still no match for five united kingdoms against them. So they sent a message to Joshua. I mean, literally, we're talking very short order after they made this treaty. Read in verse 6. 
And the men of Gibeah sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered against us. Let that sink in for a moment. Now, this battle is a bigger battle than the Israelites were going to have to face. See, they had already taken Jericho. They had already taken Ai. They had kind of split the land, and God's plan was for them to take, drive out these kingdoms a little bit at a time. Now, all of a sudden, they have to face five of them at once because they're bound by this sworn treaty to go and to protect Gibeon. See, now all of a sudden, because of their compromise, because they didn't ask the Lord what they were supposed to do in this circumstance, they're about to have to fight a bigger battle all at once than they ever thought they were going to have to fight. We're talking five kingdoms at once. And they have to go to the defense of a nation they were supposed to drive out. You see the dilemma? And so this is a situation they find in. And, but not much has changed today. They were caught with a dangerous consequence. But many times we see ourselves that, that the enemies, guess what? Your enemy still hates you and he hates God's people. And those that are following the ways of this world, they don't care much for you either because you're a threat to their wicked and sinful ways. See... People don't like those that remind them that the way they're living their life is wrong. We see it everywhere we look today. How dare you say that my lifestyle is wrong? But you know what? We're not the ones that are saying it's wrong. God said it's wrong. And I've said many times, if we love somebody... Do we really let them continue in something that's going to destroy their life? Or do we, out of love, try to say, hey, don't go that way. Don't do that. Not in a judgmental, vindictive way, but in a way that points out the love. But when we do, when we stand up for righteousness, there are going to be those that doesn't like it because we cast a light on their situation, their circumstances, and their wrong choices. And they don't like feeling the guilt of the things that they already know are wrong. Amen. So therefore, they hate the presence of God's people. And they want to fight against us. And, but these are the same tactics that the enemy uses against us as believers throughout the ages. He, our enemy longs to intimidate us into compromise, intimidate us into backing down, intimidate us not into standing up for what we know is right, and intimidate us to thinking that we have no choice. We better just comply and go along with the crowd. 1 John 4, 4 says this. You are of God, little children. And have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You may feel like you're all alone in making a stand for what is right. 
but you're not. You're on the right side. Because greater is he. So what happens? What happens when we're caught by compromise? See, compromise will cause you to fight battles you could have avoided. Yes, they were going to have some battles. Yes, they were going to have to face every one of these nations. But God's original plan was not for this to happen all at once like it was now set up. So we never forget, never ever forget, God's plan is always better. Always pray over your decisions. You're going to hear me say that again and again. If there's one piece of advice I can give you, pray over your decisions. But guess what? Sometimes we compromise. Sometimes we compromise anyway. And we find ourselves where they're at, facing a battle against something that has grown bigger than we ever thought possible. And we feel trapped and stuck by our decisions, and there's nothing else we can do. Now, I'm going to say this this isn't an excuse. But I'm going to say when you compromise, because at some point in your life you will, every single one of us has. Right? Matter of fact, James 1, verse 14, 15 says, But each one is tempted when, by, when he is drawn by, away by his own desires and enticed. Then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. We can find ourselves sometimes when we compromise, sometimes when we make decisions that we did not inquire of the Lord. We didn't ask. It just seemed, seemed like it's what we wanted to do. And I know every single one of us at some point, we've kind of felt that nudging of the, of the Holy Spirit saying, don't do it, but we wanted it so badly, we gritted our teeth and we did it anyway, and we find ourselves in a mess. And when that happens... Because little, little compromises grow into big sins, and big sins lead to a mess. And if you don't do something with it, it will lead to death, the Scripture says. And we're not just talking about a physical death, we're talking about a spiritual death. See, little compromises grow. That innocent, that innocent flirting at work wasn't supposed to become a full-blown affair. That porn or that self-medication wasn't supposed to become an addiction. Those business shortcuts weren't supposed to become legal issues. Dabbling with the occult wasn't supposed to lead to demonic activity. I could go on and on and on. But we start out with little compromises and it grows into something bigger than we ever dreamed. And we find ourselves facing a bigger foe and a greater battle than we ever thought possible. And we think, oh Lord, what in the world am I going to do? If only I had seen the trap that is I now find myself caught in. What if I just asked counsel from the Lord in the first place? Because suddenly my little compromise has me in a way over my head situation and I feel like I'm about to drown in it. So what now? Anybody ever been there? Well, here's the good news. God can still turn your, trap, your traps into triumphs. Even our dumbest compromise can be turned into a glorious victory.
if we will trust in the Lord. Romans 8.28 says this, And now we know that all things work together for good for those who love the God to those who are called according to his purpose. Think about this. When you find yourself caught in that trap, when you find yourself backed in a corner, when something grew into something that it wasn't supposed to be and you don't see the way out, Guess what? Let me help you out with a couple of things here. You can be caught in a trap and still love God. And number two, his call and his purpose for your life is still there and it's still unrevoked. You're in a bigger mess. You're going to have to fight some bigger battles than you thought to work your way out. But he has not changed his mind about you. That same love, that same death on the cross, that same provision for your salvation is still there because he loves you that much. Let me tell you this. His grace isn't just for cleaning up your dirt so we can enter heaven. God's grace can take care of even our dumbest mistakes. He can empower us. He can help us. He can still work them out in ways that will bring glory and honor to his name. Now, let me put this caveat in there. That doesn't mean your mess was his will. But the good news is he can still take your mess and make something good out of it. So let's let's get another story. Joshua 10, verse 7 through 9. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, and he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua, therefore, came upon them suddenly, having marched all night to Gilgal. See, the Lord encouraged Joshua. He said, you know what? This may not have been what I had planned for you. This wasn't plan A. But the good news is, I still have a plan. The good news is, we can still do this. Go ahead. Fight the battle. Because I'm going to be there with you. But you know what the great part about this is? This time, they prayed, Lord, Should we fight this battle? I know that sometimes you have to learn the hard way, right? Oops, last time I didn't ask. This time I'll say, Lord. He says, go ahead. I got you. You're going to have this victory. See, God's people, let me say this. God's people were never intended to be spiritual pacifists and not fight the good fight. And we may back down sometimes and we should stand up. And it may mean that we have to stand up in a tougher time. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have us. Can I tell you this? Turning the other cheek was never a call to compromise. Going the extra mile isn't a command to surrender. Yes, as we talked about to some of those young people who are standing up here, yes, we need to live humble lives. We need to love people and have tender hearts, but we were never intended to be pushovers. We were always intended to have backbone and stand up. 
See, the, there's a real war that we're facing. And there's spiritual forces that are at the root behind them. In many cases, Christians have become too quiet, too timid, and too silent. But any victory that comes to us in our spiritual lives will be accomplished because of the spirit that was within us. We are not expected to fight these battles on our own. Matter of fact, 1 Timothy 1, 18, 19. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction. In keeping with the prophecies, what's made about you. So that by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Don't compromise. Don't shipwreck your faith by making wrong decisions without inquiring of the Lord. See, if you're going to have miracles done in your life, you're going to need to fight the spiritual battles without compromise. Victory never comes by taking the easy way out. Somewhere that warrior mentality is going to have to rise up in your spirit. You may have been pushed around by compromise. At some point, we got to say, you know what? I've been pushed around by compromise long enough. My pride has kept me from being a worshiper long enough. My selfishness has kept me uninvolved long enough. I can't let my judgmental spirit or my legalistic heart hold me back any longer. You can't, we can't let my greed and the things that keep me from investing in the advancement of his kingdom work any longer. I have to work for the kingdom and the cause. Our self-pity, reliving our past failures over and over and over again will never win you the victories that God has for you. At some point, you got to say, you know what? The past is the past. The Bible tells me that as he's become Lord and Savior of my life, that those thing or cast as far as the east is from the west they're thrown behind his back to be forgotten they're sent into the depths of the sea that I am not bound by the mistakes of the past I can walk in his future in his way in his plan at some point we have to say enough is enough Lord is this the time to fight that battle And when he says yes, you can't lose if you're just obedient. I mentioned this earlier, but think about this. Think about, as I begin to wrap up, think about the supernatural power they were given to win this battle against five armies. They were overwhelming odds were against them. And not only to go there and to fight that battle, they had to march 27 miles overnight just to be there in time. I don't know about you, but if you're carrying all the stuff of warfare and you're on foot for 27 miles all night and when you get there at dawn, the next day you got to fight a battle the whole day. As you'll find later, an extra long day. There's only one explanation. God gave them supernatural strength. Now you, let me look at this, let me put it in a personal terms. You may have spent many a night remarching the failures of your past compromises. But God won't help me. I blew it. I had my chance. Let me read you this, Psalm 35. For his anger is but for a moment. 
His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Think about this. It was their mess. It was a battle on a scale they were never supposed to fight. Yet this time they inquired of the Lord and God said, Go ahead, I got you. And he supernaturally bailed them out with a great victory. Let me read it. John 10, 10 and 11. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes through Beth Haran, and struck them down at Ezekah and Makeda. And it, and it happened as they fled before Israel and were, more, and were on the descent of Beth Haran. Then the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with their sword. Think about this. The enemy may have, think he has you where he wants you. You may think you're in a no-win situation, but the same God who apparently has smart hailstones in his arsenal. I mean, think about that battle. There's all this stuff going on, and he's sitting down hailstones, and it's missing the Israelites and knocking the enemy out left and right. And we think we got smart weapons. See, when God's power manifests itself in the time of your need, let me say this, though. They could have stopped there, but never, ever settle for a partial victory and then try to turn around and make peace and make the same mistake. When God sits the stage, finish the enemy and put that thing that has plagued you behind you never to be picked up again. Go for the whole thing. Verse 12 through 14. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in that day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the people had revenge upon their enemies. It is, is this not written in the book of Jashur? So the sun stood still in the midst of the heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord has heeded the voice of man for the Lord fought for Israel. Not only did they march all night and fight a battle all day, He stopped the sun and the moon for about another whole day. So they had about a 48-hour or somewhere thereabouts, a two-day period, literally. I guess it would be about a 24-hour day that the sun was up. That's supernatural power to fight the battle and to finish the enemy. Now, I know what you're thinking. But, Pastor, for the moon and the sun to stand still, wouldn't that be contrary to the laws of nature? But what are the laws of nature? They're simply the processes that God set in motion. And because He is sovereign, He can alter 
He can suspend. He can reverse. He can circumvent. He can even cancel those processes any time he desires. He is not bound by the laws of physics that he created. What I'm saying is this. When you find yourself in that situation, that circumstance you don't see a way out of, let him fight your battles. Inquire of him. Do what he says to do, and you will see miraculous victories as you begin to work your way out of those things. Because it's his desire. And so I'm I'm closing with this. The only real question this morning is this. Will you trust him enough? Will you trust him enough to let him help you miraculously fight your way out of the trap of compromise you find yourself in? And will you do so before it leads to death? And for our graduates, if I can give you any advice, always inquire of the Lord. It will save you so many headaches in life. And if you want to talk to that, I can tell you some stories that I don't have time to this morning of times that I almost made dumb mistakes. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and it is glorious. Those of you that you've had that moment that you feel like that God has called you into ministry and to serve him, that may seem scary. That may be like, you know, well, that wasn't my plans. That wasn't, I'm telling you, if you will follow what he's called you to do, you'll have the best, most fulfilled life you can possibly have. His ways are better. You'll see more joy. You'll have greater victories and greater stories to tell than anything the enemy has planned for you. Or you have planned for yourself. I promise.